Guess who's back? Back again. Mondo's back from vacation. How you doing, Albert? I'm doing good, Armando. How you doing? Pretty good. Thanks for being here. For those that are tuning in to the live show, welcome to the Real Life on the Bass Kayak and Beers podcast. I got a guest host for today. I got Albert Rocks. By the way, coolest. You should have put like apostrophe S at the end of your last name, Albert. Be Albert Rocks. <laughs> I'll be quick. Uh, I'm going to say that uh, that's not the first time I've heard that, and uh, it's definitely not the last. But anyways, Albert, thank you for coming in as a guest host. We're going to have Jacob Muller, a.k.a. Jake the Snake. We're going to be talking about the big uh, big win at the Lone Star Throwdown. But before we start talking about that, uh, and, and for those out there watching on the live show, if you have questions for our guests, for either Albert or for me, please put it in the comment section. We'll do our best to get those questions answered. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, a few of the things that were going on this weekend. First of all, congratulations to uh, Ross Snyder, AOI winner for the Bassmaster Kayak Series. Uh, that ended this weekend with the last event being at the Susquehanna River. And Ross Snyder ended up in second place, which is good enough for the AOI. Um, win. So congratulations. Big congratulations to Josh Schrenko from the Smalley podcast. He actually won the tournament, got first place. So congratulations to Josh Schrenko. Super happy to see him. I think it's only fitting that he wins. I, I don't know if you're familiar with Smalley Talk and the Achi brand, brand for smallmouth bass. I think Josh Schrenko has really is is his brand is the biggest brand in small mouth bass fishing, I think. So it's only fitting that he actually won that tournament. So were you able to have you heard about Archie Brand and the uh, Smalley Talk podcast, Albert? Uh, uh, honestly, I haven't, but uh, that's that's one I need to check out then. Yeah, no, it's a really really good uh, podcast. And again, Josh Rinko just won that. So congratulations. Also, big shout out to. The Texas Bass Nation. Let me actually share the screen on this um, Texas Bass Nation kayak series, the classic, I think is what they call it. Dale Griffin won the tournament. This was held in conjunction with the Lone Star Throwdown. Dale Griffin won 87 and three quarters. Guillermo Gonzalez, 87 and three quarters as well. He came in second. His uh, The tiebreaker was Dale Griffin had the biggest bass between uh, both of them. So he gets first place. Guillermo Gonzalez gets second. Philip Wyatt, 85 and three quarters. Jordan Rosenblum, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, um, came in fourth, 82 and a half. And Jeff Isham, 82 and a half as well. His biggest bass was smaller than uh, Jordan's Rosenblum. That's why he got fifth place. But all five of them um, get to punch their ticket for the Bassmaster uh, Kayak Series Championship at 10 Killer in Oklahoma. And Big shout out to Texas Bass Nation. They're paying for their entry fee. They're paying for their um, hotels. So that's big. I, in the past, I know I have been kind of critical with Texas Bass Nation when they wanted to start their kayak series. I felt like they weren't all in. It was kind of like a half-hearted, half-hearted uh, attempt to bring the kayak series to Texas Bass Nation, but they stepped up by you know paying the entry fees and the hotels for the top five anglers that's big i know this next year duke Tran is going to be running the texas bass nation kayak series i'm looking forward to that have you heard about that albert are you looking forward to taking part in one of those tournaments uh yes i'm definitely looking forward to it hopefully i'm able to uh hopefully i'm able to attend a few of the uh i believe they have two in the, the central part of texas that hopefully i can partake in your prop maybe do well yeah they have i think it's going to be two in the north uh north texas two in the central texas area and then two in the south if i remember correctly what uh, duke tran said on the podcast when he was here a couple of weeks ago but yeah i'm excited to see especially now with uh steve owens running the Bassmaster kayak series i mean i it's i think it's everyone's dream that grew up bass fishing to be in the you know 
walk that red carpet being the top 10, whether you're on a boat or on a kayak for the Bassmaster Kayak Series, like all of us that grew up watching since we were little, watching Bassmasters Elite and all of their tournaments televised. Uh, I can't even remember the channel. I think it was, I don't know if back then it was Fox Sports or ESPN or whatever it was, but I mean, it's exciting. It's exciting time for being yeah. like angler. Oh, yeah, it definitely is. And I think uh, to add a little bit to that is I think it, when I was a young kid, I think it was the Nashville Network. At least that's what I remember for, for could have been, yeah. My, I lived in Puerto Rico, so I got it through cable TV. I can't even remember what channel it was on what, you know, probably something like ESPN or something. But yeah, man, exciting. So uh, that, I mean, again, congratulations to everybody qualified. Let's bring in our guest for the day to talk about the Lone Star Throwdown, Mr. Jake the Snake. Jacob Muller, congratulations, man. Thank you for coming to the show, man. Thank you. Appreciate y'all having me on. Jacob, we were talking again. Oh, what? I'm sorry. Thank you, Albert. Appreciate uh, it. We, we were talking about the pre-recording. I remember about four years ago when I started kayak fishing, I was looking into the KBF monthly tournaments, um, and I saw somebody with a huge, ridiculous bag to win first place here in Texas. It was like 121 inches. Um, and that's when I kind of started with social media and Instagram. And I'm like, yeah, man, let me look up this guy, Jacob Muller, to see who it is, you know, um, where is he from? You know, maybe I can fish one day with him and kind of learn because I was eager to learn all things kayak fishing. And I see this built up buff guys like, is this Arnold Schwarzenegger's Instagram account? I was like, I really thought it was somebody else's account. It's like, I'll, I guess the real Jacob Muller was at a social media account. But turns out it was you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Not to be still to kind work. <laughs> Are you still into bodybuilding? No, not competitive, but I lift like like I'm trying to, so to speak. Um, the cool thing about that, the cool thing about having that as your Instagram profile, I bet no everybody that knows you is not gonna run into your spot. Like nobody's gonna mess. I hope not. I hope not. It. I tell you what, it it does help me though in the long run, like being more fit in the kayak. I feel like it helps you balance more. It helps you, you, you know, make longer runs, all those types of things, especially when you're using your manpower a lot, you know, and um, especially in the Hobie tournaments, you know, recently, I feel like it, it gave me an advantage getting to my spots. Did When when did you start, like, bodybuilding, and when did, uh, I'm assuming, when did kayak fishing took over as your number one hobby? Right. Well, I, I grew up around bass fishing. Um, both my parents were tournament anglers uh, before I was born, so I grew up with it real close to me and um, was fortunate to have uh, uh, families that had lake houses, so I had access to the water at an early age. Um, so I grew up doing it, but it was very much so recreational and, and school and sports and all that took the primary focus. And so, um, gosh, when, when baseball was over in college, I, I kind of wanted to continue competing in something and, and bodybuilding just, uh, uh, seemed to be, to be kind of natural for me. And, um, that was, that was kind of my main focus from my late teens to like mid twenties and kind of developed a little knee injury and I needed to take a break from lifting. And my brother was, um, deployed in Afghanistan he left his kayak back. Uh, and I just, I took it out and started kayaking and, uh, fell in love with it, you know, and, uh, long story short, I bought a kayak, the awesome canoe and kayak. And my good buddy, Tyler Howe told me about cats and I started tournament fishing in 2016 and, and it's been a blur ever since. What was your kayak that you brother left behind? The first one? Yeah. The first kayak that I bought is a lure by feel free. It was 11 and a half. And I competed that whole year in cats in 2016. And I made it that year. They had an elite series event instead of one classic, they had three and they, they, that three events and they put them all together as a classic. And, um, after I think the second event on Fort, we had a lot of conditions to deal with a lot of wind. And, and, uh, when we came back the next week for the tournament, I had purchased a, a PA myself. And, uh, because it was just, I, I saw, I saw my buddies being able to pedal in rough conditions. I mean, all year I, I got, uh, I, I ate a lot of humble pie, um, to, uh, to, 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 you know, anglers that had pedal driven kayaks. And so, um, you know, you can cover water, 
you can fish more hands-free um and uh yeah it was just so much more efficient and safe too in big water so i made that switch and then the next year i got on the hobie fishing team through ack and i stayed on and and all the way until 2021 and um we've just had a lot of good momentum rolling throughout the years um in the last uh last two years have been have been a lot of fun I, I know my my dad um who's always all my life he's been in the gym right now he's in his late 70s so he doesn't go to the gym anymore but he's like religiously go to the gym yeah, and I, every once in a while like i would go to spiritual like all right you know summer new year's resolution i'll go at the end of the beginning of the year by march february i was already like i would get bored of it uh so, but I know watching from my dad takes a lot of discipline and mental fortitude to, to yes, sir, to to keep chugging and being consistent at it. Other than the physical aspect of you know the stamina and the strength that obviously helps you with the physical sport like kayak fishing, mentally and emotionally, is there anything com any comparisons or anything that you brought in from your training as a bodybuilder that kind of helps you mentally with uh, kayak fishing as far as maybe being patient? or resilient definitely yes and um just being very driven and and not allowing anything just get in your way and and i mean you know um gosh just being strong being mentally strong i mean just uh yeah putting yourself through a lot of physical abuse in the gym over the years i feel like when we get put into these really tough conditions with lots of wind and waves and boats and We've got to think, and I feel like training very intensely. You know, I, I train balls to the wall when I weight train. I feel like putting yourself through that all the time, it, it makes all these decisions a little easier. Um, obviously, experience on time on the water is what really gives you the advantage, but having that just, like, strong desire in you to put your head down and grind um, the other day was, was one of those events where you needed to do that and just grind for those bites. Cause that lull, that lull in the middle of the day made it really tough for everybody, myself included. Um, yeah, I can definitely vouch for that too. <laughs> so remember, like about 10 o'clock the other day, it got rough. Let's talk that. about the, the, let's start with the pre-fishing. Like let's get sure. the potatoes of how you got to winning the tournament. So how many days of pre-fishing did, did you do? Just Friday. Friday. Golly. You did how many days of pre-fishing? Uh, I got in, I got up to, uh, I got up to the lake uh, Wednesday evening, but I started pre-fishing Thursday and it, it was tough. It, how was pre-fishing for both of you? Like Albert, you mentioned it was tough. Jacob, how was it for you? It was pretty, it was pretty good. Um, I shook a lot of fish off. I had a good shallow dock pattern going, um, but I doubted that it would be like that the following day. I really did. Um, we had similar conditions here in Canyon Lake, Texas, the day before uh, well, Thursday. Thursday was really good. Thursday, we had a, a ton of overcast. Low pressure system came through. It fished really good. I had to get out on Canyon real quick to... Uh, basically go over some things with Garmin with my uh, live scope transducer. So I was on the water anyway, and I'm uh, here at my house and I made a few casts and I caught a couple really nice fish on top water. And, um, I talked to one of my buddies who lives up there and Thursday they had the same exact condition. So Friday I get there and those conditions are gone. South wind was still, still ripping through, but we, and we had lots of sun, a very, uh, bluebirdy type day. Um, but the front hadn't hit yet and, and, um, we did have the moon out. So I, I didn't feel like that was really helping us, but the bites were there on Friday. They were, um, I had an 18, I, I set the hook on the first fish in the morning. It was 18 inches. I didn't set the hook on another one after that. I had two that I, I couldn't shake them off. They started wrapping themselves up. So I drug them out and they were like 17 and three quarter. And then there were like another I don't know, 10 to 15 that I was successfully able to shake off. And uh, I was feeling good. I was feeling good, but I, I knew, I knew it probably wasn't going to be like that. Um, just by looking at the change in the weather, change in the wind, um, 
the, the, the drop in temperature, the pressure, you know, that I have got to reiterate that, you know, a hundred and however many collegiate boat tournament, a his and hers boat tournament, 130 ish kayak anglers, everybody pre-fishing, you know, and then you throw all these conditions in, um, it, uh, I think it really, it really changed the, the way that it was set up. And so I basically chased the wind the morning of the tournament went straight to where that north wind was blowing in a little main lake pocket and before, uh, before we actually get into like the the tournament sure. i'm gonna ask you a, a couple of more questions and albert i'll chime yes, sir. i muted you a little bit because of the background noise but i'll so let's you know you know you well i'll meet you in a second um you mentioned you shook off the the fish i know you you mentioned you also use live scope so when you're pre-fishing for a tournament like this do you generally try to get, you know, do you bring them up to the boat to see what the size are, or do you just scope them, see what they're biting, and then just not set the hook? How do you, how do you approach pre-fishing when you are like using your line scope and you mentioned shaking it off, like not actually setting the hook? Right. So once I kind of have an understanding that, that my baits are going to get bit, I start bending hooks in. Um, and, and, and just literally using, yeah, yeah. Just getting my baits to where I can't hook them. And, and I, I use live scope, um, when I can lately, it's been a fall transition type deal. And I'll be honest, I've been catching these fish out of the dirt Yeah, from, from Rayburn to, I mean, just everywhere, everywhere it's, it's been a fall transition thing. And I just keep, I keep starting there and checking there first and it's happening. And I've been able to turn it off a lot lately. And I prefer it to be honest, like in a fun fishing or a monthly deal, when I'm out doing that type of stuff, live scoping is, is awesome. But in a lot of these tournaments, especially when I only have one day and I've been on this shallow thing, I kind of, I kind of leave it alone. And, and I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I turned it on on Friday. And I played with some, I threw the Andromeda a little bit by 86 baits. It's kind of like a Hinkle shad. A lot of us have been seeing these pods of gizzard shad up shallow in these lakes. Yeah. And so I thought I'd try to see if I could get anything to react and follow. And I got a few really great followers, but when you only have one day, you kind of, unless they're just going nuts, you know, I think that's often a lot of famine that you're going to face. And, uh, so I just really try to go with my instinct and, and, and when I can, if I can catch them dirt shallow, I, I will always hundred percent. Um, and that's kind of, that's, that's what, that's what led into the event, um, with, that, with that mindset. That's interesting because I know, uh, you know, Possum Kingdom is such a deep lake. It's like, a, mm -hmm. well, right. It says clear water, deep lake. Which actually, it's a lot of what you guys have around that area. You yes. actually can lake. Um, it's it suits central Texas anglers a lot in that aspect. But I would think it would like if you have the technology of live scope that would be your go to because now you have an advantage over people. You know, over a mess of the field that may not have live scope, just knowing that you can target fish deeper and. And it it does give you an advantage over that. Like we know, Possum Kingdom has big bass, and most of them are gonna be deep. Mm -hmm. Talking on docks, we're talking about uh, bluff walls, which there's a lot on Possum Kingdom. So that's interesting. Is it that you don't feel? Is it a preference that that you want to fish shallow, or is it that you don't feel as comfortable using live scope? It's a preference, one hundred percent. If I can wrangle them out of nothing feet of water and they're two feet from me when I hook them and I can drag them into my giant net, I'm going to do it every single time. I don't care. Um, if, uh, yeah, especially in these conditions, this is the thing. We've got to start with that because it wasn't ideal. It wasn't easy. You know, it is horrible. Here in it wasn't easy to sit perfectly still. The lake got changed overnight and it, it, in my opinion, and they're just catching really big fish with live scope, like with a big bait, you've got to, you need days and days. You know, I can go here in Canyon and do it, right? But I already know exactly where the bait needs to be. And 
I know the angles of the cast and I know how to sit. I know, well, and I, you need to sit still. You need to be still. And I don't have a spot lock trolley motor. I have a 360 and I, I prefer it because I don't make noise moving, yeah. you know, electrically. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's just because I had the, the combination of the conditions and we had, if you, what I did like was those main lake docks with the wind and a little bit dirty water, those fish love to be in the dirt. I mean, they, they do, they want to be with their back out of the water in 75 degree water. They're happy. They might like more ambushing too, I think. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And that's what those fish were there to do. Um, it was, it was really, um, well, you know, that's how, that's not how it started. You know, I don't know if you want to go from the start, you know, well, me, kind of build it. Yes. Let me sure. ask Albert yes, how, uh, Albert, let me unmute you here for a second. Right on. How, how did pre-fishing work for you, Albert? I know it was tough, but what did you saw and are you the type of the likes to set the hook or kind of same as Jacob, just kind of like shake them off, not for a little? Um, I'm with very little experience with tournaments. Um, I definitely have got a habit of wanting to set the hook on them. Um, just to see that that bait's going to work and that I can get them to the boat. It's from past experience with my last Lone Star throwdown, I lost so many fish and probably because it was the biggest tournament at that time that I'd ever fished in. So I guess the, the jitters got to me and I, I felt I had something to at least prove to myself that I could at least set the hook on fish and get them in the net and get them on the board. But pre-fishing, uh, it didn't really do so good for me. I did good uh, Thursday. I got two largemouth bass and caught one drum, which had me fooled for sure. Yeah, they will, <laughs> especially on <I'm> the them. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, like I said, that one, it, it um, Friday, uh, I had a big fat zero going into Saturday. And that, uh, that I'm not going to, not going to lie that uh, that definitely got in my head for sure. <laughs> Do you think it changed the way you approach Saturday? Like it affected you? It, it, it definitely did. Um, I did not get my first fish until a little bit after 12. And my second fish came an hour after that. And those were the only two that I got. Jacob, well, how about you? Like, let's move on to like uh, tournament day. So we know it's a one day tournament. Right. Uh, we, Northwind. It's I I have a hard time adjusting every time I do pre fishing, and then you get a north wind between days. I it's it's tough. Yeah, like it really shuts the bike down. Yeah, I I feel like it really spreads out the fish for whatever reason. Mm How -hmm. do knowing that that was going on? Well, let me ask you this: Did you knew coming into Saturday morning lunchtime that the wind? That north wind was going to be a factor. Do you knew it? Were you did you research prior day what the weather was going to be? Were you anticipating that, or did that took you by surprise? And what adjustments did you make? Absolutely, um, I absolutely anticipated it. Um, I saw it ahead of time through the weather app. And um, the other thing too, I camped outside where they had the event, and I camped real close to the water in a hammock and there was no way avoiding it. You knew that that temp was dropped. Um, the wind, the wind was rocking all night and it, it was, it rocked harder than it said it was supposed to for sure. Especially in the lake. A hundred percent. And so knowing that kind of steered me where I wanted to go, where I exactly where I wanted to start. Um, and, and I did that. I basically right now in this time of year, we're still so we're still we're still cooling off so hard, you know. The water's still so warm, generally speaking. So a situation like that, even even though there was that much like air temperature drop, the water didn't get messed with temperature wise. It just really changed the wind direction, you know. And so that's why I chose to be on the main lake so that I could be around good fresh water so that it wouldn't get real muddied up. Um, and then I just chased the wind and started in a little bowl uh, that had a dock behind it in really shallow water that uh, <clears throat> that had a drain from the main lake that just meandered up to it. And uh, I 
the thing that I really took advantage of that I want everybody to hear is once I saw in the rules what time we were going to be allowed to launch and what time we were going to start, and based on the time right now of sunrise, I knew how much time we were going to have in the dark. And on Friday, I found some skunk grass, and I knew that it came up to really shallow water right behind me, right in that bowl. And I knew that north wind was going to blow right into it all night long. And on my first cast, I caught the 22. Um, very first cast of the day? Very first cast. I made my little pretend cast that gets the bad juju away. Yeah. You know? And and I technically, I made one cast, and I got a bite, and I missed a fish, and I made the second cast, and I caught that fish. And um, it was pretty nerve-wracking because somewhere on the cast prior, I guess, I knocked my net off my kayak. And so I- You didn't even I, notice? I've got my, I turned my headlamp on. I see this almost six pounder, probably somewhere around there, come, you know, tail walking out of the water. And I look down for my, my giant net. I have a net by Ego and it's the XL extra deep. It's really big and it wedges on the front of the Hobie. So it's just easy to grab all the time. And I look down and it's gone. And so- I've got to drop down to my knees in the kayak in the Hobie and just wrestle that fish in and with the line and and I'm 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 bad to horse my fish to me and net them real quick a lot of the time so it was a, it was a bit of a show but I was successful in in boating it and uh, you know um, quickly after I went around the side of that dock and I I skipped up in there with the vibrating jig same bait as what I started with. Uh, and that was the other thing I think's key. Having that much time in the morning in the dark with that much wind all night hitting it, it was real loud. So top water was out. Um, it was really, really loud. And a lot of people had areas where top water was working. Um, I would have loved to. I tried in, in practice. I took 11th in the throwdown on Possum Kingdom the last time we were there. And I caught all those fish on a gunfish on top water throughout the day. Um, and I wanted it to work, but it just wouldn't in the day before, you know, and then, uh, I knew that with it being that loud blowing into there all night, that there probably wouldn't be uh, a topwater bite, but there would probably be a really good subsurface bite right on the bank, right in the mix of that skunk grass and a little bit of buck brush. And it was just, uh, yeah, just chatterbait deal, taking advantage of the darkness, um, and I caught the first two that way. The one was in open water right where I was sitting. And then the other was under the dock and it was behind me. That was an 18. And then, uh, yeah, I just started going with the shallow dock pattern in the next pocket over. And I caught the 17 and three quarters. And it was another nerve wracking moment because it was over the top of the cable. And it was sawing oh, on my line real bad. And the 360 kayak is 100% uh to blame for my ability to get to that fish super fast um and have that fish in the net before it was able to you know break me off or whatever and and about that time i submitted those three fish i checked the leaderboard i was in fifth with like 58 inches and then that lull hit that i think all of us felt yeah. and it just shut down that lake went to zero and man i just I ran probably three miles of that shallow dock pattern. I came back to where I started in the morning and I fished the drain in front of me with the sea rig, got a couple little bites and then I broke it off and it was, it was about 145 and I knew I needed to do something. I needed to do, you know, something different and do what I'm, I'm good at. And I went back to that shallow dock pattern. I went to some docks where I had not even looked at the day before or yet that day. And I just uh, started looking at them at the walkways and the walkways had shade, um, little bits of shade. And I found a dock that, you know, a, a setup where they had basically a little riprap peninsula that came out right at the beginning of the start of the dock. And it was just deep enough, maybe a foot and a half. And uh, at that point, just throwing a little finesse swim bait. And uh, I caught a 16 and a half right there in that spot. And then I got that fish pictured and let go and I made the exact same cast and I caught that 22 right there at like 2.05 or a little after two o'clock. And that was my fifth fish and they're obviously a very important fish. Did you end up just catching the five fish or did you caught more? I went down a little further and I caught another one that was 15 and a half. Um, and, and technically throughout the day, 
At some point, I did catch a 13 and three quarters, but I wasn't sure what the minimum was. And I, I thought it might be 14. So I pictured it, but I just, I just put, you know, I, I didn't even think about it. To me, it would, I was going to figure that out after the tournament expired, if that fish was legal or not, because I was focused on, Don't on better fish than that. And so I just, I did picture it and, you know, you know, had it in case we needed it. Found out we could, could use a 12 inch minimum fish. Um, so I guess technically I did catch six scoreable fish throughout the event. Um, but, um, pretty much the five in there that mattered were, were the five that I needed. Um, I didn't, I fished pretty clean. I'd say got a few bites on the chatterbait that I didn't hook up on, but as far as like the shallow dock pattern throughout the day, I, I didn't miss any fish. I didn't lose any fish. I, you know, it was, it's pretty boring to be honest, you know, throughout that day because of that long lull. Yeah. But it, what it is, you know. Albert, I'm not going to torture you by asking you how it went today because you already talked about that. But uh, yeah, um, do you have any questions for Jacob as far as how he catch him and, you know? Um, I guess the, uh, the I guess one question I got is, uh, do you, did you catch any on a jig? It, well, apparently it sounds like you didn't catch any on just a, a regular casting jig. No, sir. Just just a, a vibrating jig in the morning in the dark and on the dock. And then a finesse swim bait weedless on the docks. Okay, well, like throughout the day. Yeah, my two fish came on a uh, on a finesse swim bait, little round ball jig head, but in 12, 10 to fifteen feet of water. Right. Um, just right where I'm, I'm calling it the uh, the catch point of the slope. Right where it starts at the edge of it, where it drops off into the the river channel. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. One thing that I shared with some of the guys, what I do this often is like. I'll go to a lake in, in practice and in, in the event throughout the day. I'll, I'll look around and I'll look and see how people are fishing the lake. And then I won't do that. <laughs> yeah. No, I just won't. I'll, I'll just, you could tell me that you're going to win and I'll literally not go do that just simply so that I can maybe on, get on some fish that, you know, haven't been pressured in that way. And if I can make that work, then I'm gonna, you know, and and speaking from experience, I think Possum Kingdom is one of those lakes that it'll make a fool out of you in the sense that I don't know why it doesn't seem like more than any other lake that I fish in Texas. And again, I'm not an expert. I'm not any of this Russ Snyder, Christine Fisher travel to country. But speaking just strictly about Texas, you know, when you compare it to Lake Furfield, Lake Fork, you know, those even if if. If the bite is not consistent, the pattern is consistent. But for whatever reason, Possum Kingdom, whether it's because of the size and it's whatever it is, it just doesn't seem like it's that the pattern is that consistent. Even the bite is not that consistent. I'll, I mentioned this on the podcast before, you know, traditionally you would say shallow water, early morning before sun gets high, top water, stuff like that. And I've known from experience, not just fishing on tournaments, but just fishing recreationally, Possum Kingdom is by far one of my favorite lakes, along with Lake Fork and Fairfield. Um, it seems like it you could throw, you know, bluebird skies, no wind, throw a top water, and it has happened to me, and catch a 22, 22 incher, which Definitely. is like traditionally what you would think this is not going to work, but even right. with it. Right. Unless you are like, by the way, shout out to J.R. Maccabee, who can catch anything on top water, by the way. Saying, what's up, fellas? Congrats to Jake. J.R. Maccabee, actually winner of the, not last year, but the year before, is, uh, Lone Star Throne that with top water. So it's, it, I really feel like Possum Kingdom, it's like, it, it can just make a fool out of you. You know, it, it, it's, it's such different from any other lake. Even the lake made a fool out of me. A what? I said it definitely made a fool out of me. <laughs> and and you both fish Canyon Lake, right? Canyon I know there's two lakes that are kind of similar name. Canyon Lake and then what's the other one? Canyon Lake and Choke Canyon. Choke Canyon, Canyon is the other one. So you both fish Canyon Lake, right? Mm-hmm. How does yes, that sir. compare? Because I, I feel like Canyon Lake, I haven't faced it, but looking at pictures and talking to people, it feels like it's very similar to Somewhat. Austin Kingdom. Somewhat. Um Though very different because Canyon's a Corps of Engineer Lake, so you don't have any residential docks whatsoever. 
Um, it's also deep and canyon and rocky, and it's the upper end is very much so loaded with hydrilla, and the bottom end is is you know rocky and has brush piles and fishing tractors. Really clear water, small mouth, you know. Um, kind of like Stillhouse. I think Stillhouse and Canyon are pretty similar. Um, Stillhouse really you know. old grass. Yeah, very so similar. It has a lot of old grass as well. Oh yeah, uh, at the north oh, yeah. for sure. Say, I'm sorry. What'd you say? I, I said at the north north end for sure. But then yes, there, there are some pockets that I, that I know I've run across in the uh, at the south end of the lake. Um, but yes, sir. Like I said majority of it's majority of it is concentrated up north. Absolutely, yes, sir, and no docks. You know, so you, whereas like Possum Kingdom has a lot of like clay and sand that's mixed in. So when you get that wind and it gets stirred up on those docks, those fish like shallow cranking and, you know, stuff with blades, man, on those shallow docks, that bite can be so good. And you just can't really come across that situation on Canyon. Um, but Possum Kingdom off offers, I mean, other than a ton of hydrilla somewhere that I, I mean, I don't know, I don't know, it could be somewhere, but other than that, it's very versatile. You know, it's got it's got a lot. It's got a lot of offshore stuff, um, a lot of brush pile fishing, um, a lot of stick ups. Lot, lot, I love that brushy stick up stuff when the topwater bite's good. Um, you know, and and I just happened to be opportunistic with a little bit of that skunk grass that I found. It wasn't something that I really go around targeting. Um, I just I just happened to find it with the sea rig on accident on Friday, and I knew, based on how shallow it was, that with the wind blowing right in there, that vibrating jig bite in the morning would probably be really good. And you know, uh, it, it proved to be a a big, huge. I mean, a huge part that that for you know, twenty two and eighteen came doing that. So. Um, I owe a lot to that and just that shallow, shallow cover, dock fishing, skipping, whatever. And um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about that because I hardly find any grass on Possum Kingdom. There are mm -hmm. lots, especially mm -hmm. depending on the water level. By the way, uh, let me ask you, gentlemen, how was the the water level? Because I know it's dropped recently, but I don't know if it was back to normal with the rain or if it's still considerably dropped in Possum Kingdom by the tournament day. Um, that from at least my observation when I uh, when I last checked it before uh, before I left up to uh, up to the lake, um, I was reading the uh, the lake level capacity at about ninety four percent. So even when I got up there and looked at the uh, the docks, they were anywhere from three and a half to four feet low, based, just based off the observation. So let me ask you this, Jacob: what, when you say skunk grass, and I'm trying to Google it because I haven't heard that term. What are you referring to? Is that is that the name of it? It's just the what we I don't know. I'm not sure. We call it that here on Canyon and wherever I see it. It's just a shallow, submergent vegetation that smells real skunky, smells real pungent. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, I know exactly what that stuff is. It's and it's <laughs> it's it's usually nothing. But when you don't have anything on, yeah. then they're gonna be on that, and you know it, that's all they've got. You know, and so it's just, they're just going to use what they have. And um, I feel like that grass, I was pulling it up the day before and it had mud in it. And I thought, man, this grass is going to hold a lot of heat. And I don't think you need it yet right now with the temps still being pretty high. But I was like, it's probably, they're probably going to feed in it with the north wind. And they're going to sit, you know, they'd rather sit in that pillowy style grass than on rock or just brush because the brush is mixed in with it, you know, and it's main lake. So it's getting a lot of fresh oxygen from coming all the way across the lake from, you know, with that North wind. So I just figured it was going to just, just position them right there to, to be there. So, um, that's, and you know, yeah, like I said, it's just, uh, it's just a, a grass. It doesn't even grow, but maybe a foot, maybe six inches. It's, and it's, it's always brown and doesn't just just doesn't look like what you're looking for. But when that's all you can find, they'll be in it more in dark. That's just something like the. Go ahead. I'll I was gonna say, sorry, Amanda. Um, I was gonna say the the skunk grass that I've come across. I always seem to snag it on a crankbait and always seem to be quite lush and green. But that odor. Ugh. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Yeah. I usually don't, you know, I don't target it most of the time, but I find when I see it like there and then I just probed it with a vibrating jig that morning. What, uh, what do you think, what color patterns, if you don't mind me asking, right? Cause I know, you know, anglers, we don't want to give too much of the juice, but what? No, anglers, nothing, nothing special. White, white on white jackhammer, light, real light. You know, it, the weight, the weight matters on the depth and the cover and you know, you got it. It's going to change everywhere you go. It was three, eight, you know, it's light, um, just white. And it was solely like in the dark, you know, and, and right at first light. And as soon as the sun comes up, you probably need to, if you're going to keep plugging away with that, you better switch over green pumpkin wire, green pumpkin, in my opinion. Um, it, it didn't, it wasn't one of those lakes. that's going to give you a couple hours of chatterbait bite. Don't worry. You know, it's just, it's not, they're not right now. I, I don't know. In my opinion, maybe if it stayed overcast and windy like that, probably it might stay longer another hour or so, but I think. As it gets brighter, you need to you need to camouflage that bait in those conditions that I'm talking about with all the pressure and everything like that. That's that's what I everything funnels down to that, you know, with with all these particulars in the color choice and whatnot. So uh, the the other bait, go ahead, Albert. The other bait that I threw throughout the day is just a, a natural shad pattern, you know, colored little swim bait, soft plastic paddle tail. So you mentioned something that was interesting. You said doing um, early parts of morning, you go with one color, and then as the day goes, gets brighter, you switch to what color? I just What's try to camouflage the bait as much as possible and try to try to match the water, match the water or match the bottom, basically, or with the combination of the two is is what I try to do with the color of whatever bait it is. That's interesting because I know a lot of times we think of like, well, we have to go with something that stands out. Were you actually saying camouflage it? Yeah. Is is it because Possum Kingdom is a clear lake? Like I wouldn't think you would do that on a muddy lake or sting lake, but we're talking about that using that strategy because the water is so clear, right? Well, it was dirty. It was very dirty. Yeah, it, was dirty. Oh, yeah. it, it was. It was yeah. dirty, but it's very pressured, and the sun was out. You know, it was bright, and I'm I'm picking on a shade line. But everywhere around the environment right there, it's super bright, 2 o'clock in, in the afternoon. So um, at that point, with that much pressure and that much noise at, at all day long and, you know, boaters and everything like that, that's when I want to, I, I really want to match the water and the bottom and the environment. You know, I want the bait to camouflage in. Um, and there are all kinds of things that we do with these baits, you know, to make them, make, you know, be a little different. You can do all kinds of things with the blade. You know, you can put blades on these baits and different types of blades and stuff like that. And, and, um, just really trying to get in and, and, and get these baits to kick good and, 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 and come slow through the water column too. Um, nothing about the way I was retrieving those baits was fast at all, you know, very slow, very slow crawl. Um, one thing that I wish that I had time to do other than live scope around with a big bait is, is shallow crank. I would have loved to shallow crank, um, with like a medium diving flat sided silent balsa crank bait is what catching concepts. I'll be honest. <laughs> uh, one of their baits, I would love to have cranked every shallow dock pole in my site, but I just didn't have time and I didn't have confidence. So couldn't do it when when you're talking about using the jackhammer which i i agree with you i think sometimes as anglers the biggest mistake we make or one of the biggest mistakes is we use that chatterbait too quick we, we speed it up too fast and and i think we're especially the jackhammer uh where it shines it's not too slow but because you need minimum speed for that blade to actually tick and it hit the head of the jig versus the original chatterbait or some other chatterbait that's not tied directly to the to the jig head. Right. You need to move it fast too in order to click. But in the Jackhammer's case, um, you don't need to move it too fast. Right. In order to have that that clicking sound that Absolutely. That it from what I understand, it also imitates 
the crawfish. So when crawfish are being under attack, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll have a little clicking sound when sure. they snap to get out of the way. Right. And that's something I, I think that's one of the biggest reasons why jackhammers and not only jackhammers, by the way, for those that are listening and don't know this now, the, and, and I'm going on a rabbit hole here, but so the pattern on the jackhammer, which is really the blade tied directly to the jig head, <laughs> that pattern has expired. And that's why you see Seaman now came up with a new uh, uh, chatterbait, which is mm -hmm. the Evo, which is essentially is pretty much, not, I'm not going to say a carbon copy of the jackhammer, but it's very similar. And the reason why is they just lost, that pattern expires. So now everybody can make a jackhammer. Right. If they want to. Right. So now it's things like, well, now that everybody can be a jackhammer, we have to come up with something different. Right. Not different, but call it something different. Right. But that, I think that's very key. So that's why you're going to see now the price of the jackhammers and even the Evo, I think it's like $5 cheaper than, than the jackhammer, which essentially mm -hmm. is the same technology. It's just tied directly to the jig head. Right. But in, enough of that, <laughs> enough of that rabbit hole. I think, like I mentioned, the biggest mistake that we make is we we crank it up too hard. Yeah. What how what speed do you usually crank it, especially for this tournament? Did you find yourself cranking it a little bit slower or a little bit faster than you used to? Do you use a regular what type of do you use a specific reel mm -hmm. speed to keep to make sure to keep your discipline on how fast you're mm -hmm. um, moving that chatterbait? I basically throw it on a Corrado DC, a 150XG with a hog tech. That's a tech, nice one, yeah. With a hog tech handle. On a Dobbins, it's a 736 glass. I don't know if everybody can read that, but it's a 736 glass with 20 pound Invisex. And uh, on, on, on that setup the other day. What do you use on that? Oh, sorry. Uh, it's an 8 to 1, it's an XG. Oh really? So you really mm -hmm. Yeah, I I love being able to take up line really fast. Once I love being able I love being able to control fish really really well. Um and a lot of the time well, it, it just it's still like even even with it being super fast the other day what I was doing with it I wasn't straight retrieving the bait. I was I was just popping it with my wrist. I was kind of like miniature yo-yo in it. Yeah. in like dirt shallow water and just letting it sit in the strike zone you know hopping it like a trap same thing it's just and i would like to have done that i would probably rather if i had more time but the way that skunk grass was it was like muddy and mixed in with little sticks and like brush and a treble hook bait's gonna give you more problems like that unless you can find like stretch of it where it's real clean like the grass is by itself and you can kind of memorize maybe like lanes or like you know but when you don't know that that's why the jackhammer is so good or a chatterbait in general because it can come through all that and you know you're just yeah you're able to hop it and kill it and hop it and kill it and just just freestyle it you know, and some of it was real erratic. I'd hop it up and real turn real quick, you know, two or three times and let it sit there on the bottom, you know, and just until you get bit, you know, and then, and then I started realizing I was getting bit by doing less, you know, by just letting it be on the bottom and hopping it up real quick, but, but not real high, you know, and then just letting it fall and hopping it up, letting it fall, but real, real short little hops. And that's what changes all the time. A chatterbait is a fun bait to cover water with. And, and real fast on certain lakes is like good hydrilla lakes. You can go fast. Decker is a great place where you can really go fast with the chatterbait and catch them good. Um, but over the years, as a lot of people have figured out how good a chatterbait is, I think yeah. now it takes a little bit more skill and a little bit more freestyle with the bait to catch a lot of these fish. And that little yo-yo hopping it deal is, 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 a, is a really good way to get them to bite when they really don't want to. That, that is a great point because I remember when that chatterbait came out, with especially with the jackhammer, we had a different sound with it. Right. I mean, you didn't. You just have to throw it and retrieve. Right. It was, it was a cheat code. That's right. Um, I remember going to Fairfield uh, before we closed and going up the lanes where you're not supposed to go, and I didn't know. I thought I could go up there. 
never got in trouble, thank God. Uh, but it was it, for those fish that unpressured bass, and they were huge bass, by the way, that hardly because you're not supposed to fish there, right? They, yeah. They're not used to seeing a chatterbait. I mean, it was just stupid. You mean just throw in any retrieval on a chatterbait will do. Doesn't matter. Sure. You look at, and, and I think you hit the nail on the head, when you, now that they're getting used to that, and now that that patent expired and more, more companies are going to make a carbon copy of the jackhammer right. with that design of the blade and the jig head, mm -hmm. that is going to get even more, you know, even more familiar with it. And I think a, a, a little bit of juice that I've learned, and for those that are listening or watching, that this is, I mean, this is key, especially when they're feeding on crawfish. You throw that jig of a jackhammer or bladed jig, whatever you want to call it, and you let it sit and you work it as you would with a jig. Yeah, you worm it. I say it a lot. You call it worming it. Yes, because when you think about it, when, it, when, a, when a crawfish is under attack, they're going to snap their tail. Right. Get that little jump. And that sure. that snap creates that clicking sound. That's right. When you throw a jackhammer. You have a bass nosing it. And all of a sudden, you work that tip. And that blade is going to create, mimic that exact yeah. clicking sound that that yeah. crawfish does. Right. More often than not, if you put it on the right, I mean, on the right spot. That's right. They can't help themselves. That's right. The same way with shallow cranking. Yeah. Same way with that shallow cranking with that with that catching like those catching concepts crankbaits and Andrew Dixon's crankbaits, all those awesome sweet balsas. They deflect so well off of hard cover dock poles and brush and rocks and crap down there. And it's like the same exact thing. You know, it triggers that 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 instinctive response out of them to just chase it and eat it. You know. So Albert, I've been annoying you there, but go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna I was gonna add a little bit to what Jacob said on uh, shallow cranking. Um, on one of my pre-fishing days, I, that's what I got all my fish on the the drum and my two bass, and uh, the uh, it was a, a mid diving crankbait, mm -hmm. just a, a round bill, and uh, would I a little bit more about me is I I don't like fishing shallow. I'm I'm kind of the, the the opposite of what you like to fish, Jacob. Is uh, I, if I'm if if I can fish 15 feet or deeper, that's what I'm going to go for. But right. this lake and this time of year told me I got to fish shallow, and I was hoping that uh, my fish tournament day would have been shallow, but they weren't. But they uh, the two I caught pre-fishing were in all three fish were in the same general. Well, two of them were all in the same general area in five feet of water or less in stickups. Yeah. I was really, really shocked by that, but that kind of, that right there, as you mentioned earlier with the humble pie is, uh, that I got served a bit of that and that yes. opened, it opened my eyes a bit for shallow Definitely. water. That was one thing that I learned in practice. I could get bit on the docks and then I could also get bit on those clumps of buck brush that had a little bit more depth on them. And they would be just like one here, one there. They'd be like on the end of a point or like around a corner. And it'd be like five feet or six feet instead of two or three. And I'd flip that bait in there that I was getting bit and shaking them off on. I was getting bit on a lot of those casts like that. And I tried to run that whole concept during the tournament. And I didn't catch a single one doing that. And the pressure told me that because they were like, they were clockwork the day before on where they were. And, and, and the combination, really the combination of pressure and those conditions with all that wind moving all that water through there, that like along the main lake, they, it really kind of concentrated them into those like little bowls and those little wind blown spots that had that combination of grass and bait and brush and really, you know, really shallow. And I think it just moved them off of those like isolated pieces of cover that were kind of, kind of bare. They just didn't have a lot to slow down the, the water on them. And I think those fish left a lot of those spots and, or they probably also got a lot of pressure in the early morning. And by the time I got to them, you know, boats had, you know, at least troller motored right over them and through them and stuff like that. And so it's hard to, that, that's what makes it so hard on us in a kayak is, you know, um, 
you share or anybody in a boat sharing all that water uh with other you know very serious tournament anglers it's going to have a result like that i agree we got a question for jay marco he says jake are you changing trailers or are you are you bladed jig per situation or do you have a certain one you're using all the time so i'm real simple with the vibrating jig um i really only i'm not somebody who goes all out and fishes it a lot i just fish it very situationally and i'm i'm real simple with it and i pretty much only throw a jackhammer and i only throw a zocco trailer on it and all i do is just mess with the weight and the color and and I rarely even mess with the blade colors. Um, every now and then I'll kind of get into that, but I keep it real simple. And um, yeah, I just keep it to a jackhammer. I don't really switch the blades out. Um, the only thing I really do is just change the color and, and change, you know, the weight from usually a three eighths or a half. Um, I think the three quarter and the ounce and a quarter are great baits and they're going to shine at a point in time. But uh, most of the time, a three eighths and a half, um, get it done, you know. And I, lo I love, I don't think that's the only in a quarter, uh, one quarter, right? You know, I thought I was using a quarter ounce, I thought I was using a quarter ounce, and and I looked it up on Tackle Warehouse and I can't find them anymore. No, I don't think they make them in a quarter ounce. I maybe not. I, I could have sworn I used to buy a few quarter ounce, and that I looked for the lightest ones that I had with me on Friday night. And I, I just was able to find one that was white on white and one that was green pumpkin. Um, and so, uh, I, I didn't switch during the day, like to the green pumpkin color. I just used white on white in the morning and then I put it down and it was just, that was it. I didn't try to keep using it. Once the sun came up, it, I could tell those fish really evacuated out of that really shallow water and, and it just, the chatterbait bite was done for me. Yeah. And so. Yeah, I interrupted you there for a second, Albert. What were you saying? Oh no, I was I was gonna add uh, it's 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 irrelevant, but the uh, the jackhammer I've got very limited uh, use with that, I, and I can say I've only caught one fish on it. But the uh, the two colors I definitely prefer is uh, well the the brand is it's the Z Man Cross Eyes, just for the the little more peace of mind without it getting snagged. Mm -hmm. the, uh, the the mouse and green pumpkin. Are the two colors that I prefer, and the only two trailers I I throw on or throw on mine are the Six Cents. Uh, oh goodness, the Juggle Minnow and the Hog Farmer Spunk Shad. Yeah, good, good. I I think my my go-to trailer for the Jackhammer is the uh, mm. is the what is it called the Oh my God, I'm drawing a blank. KVD the Striking uh, Rage Tail, the like the Twin Tails. I mean, the action, if you ever throw it on clear water, you watch the action. Because every now and then, it'll dart by itself. Like, you mm -hmm. and boom, it'll dart, no, dart to the left, it'll dart to the right. Um, I know a lot of people are against this, but I actually have found success on the paddle tail ones. And a lot of really? people are like, oh, they don't use the paddle tail on it. But I've found success on the paddle tail. It does lift it up a little bit off the water. I mean, not off the water. It, it it rides a little bit higher right. than it would with a Seiko. But the Seiko is also a great one. And also, like, I'll bite off the head of a fluke, like a Seaman fluke. Mm -hmm. You put that, those are good, too. Mm -hmm. Especially when you get that green chartreuse tail, those are money. The Menace is another one that J.R. Markaby says. Um, I can't remember who makes the Menace. Uh, Rage Tail. Rage Tail, yeah. Rage Tail mm -hmm. Menace. That's the one you yep. got. Yeah, so that's the one I'm referring. Those are all good. Um, George Wheeler says, come through grass better with the paddle tail. I think so. Like, I've had situations where I throw as – paddle tails, I'll throw it when I, nothing else is biting. If the if the menace, you know, the uh, twin tail is not working, then I'll go to a Seiko. And if that's not working, then I'll go to a paddle tail, which usually means it's the water is a lot stainier or muddier. And it just needs mm -hmm. something more to a little bit extra vibration on it. Yeah, uh, Markham, says you can rig it vertically or horizontally depending on the cover you're fishing, and it will come through better. That's true. Yeah, that is very true. All right, Albert, I've had you for an hour, so I really appreciate it. Jacob as well. I thank you so much for taking the time. Um, 
before I do, if there's anybody watching or list, uh, watching on the live show that has any questions, throw it in now before we we wrap this up. But in the meantime, Jacob, I want to give you a chance to shout out anybody you want to shout out, plug any company Definitely. that helps you. Yes, sir. Uh, no Bad Days Kayak, uh, for sure. And JR, JR's over there. Um, they can get you right on all your kayak uh, accessories, kayaks themselves. Um, they're a Hobie dealer, and uh, they're a great shop. They have great service. They have great locations, too. They're located in the ski ranch uh, in San Marcos, you know, and such a great place to go, like, test a boat out. Um, and JR is just such a wizard with kayaks. He's been doing it for so long. He can he can repair all kinds of stuff, and it's just a, a great, great place. Um, and then also Outdoor Alphas in San Antonio. They're a tackle store. Sam, he's the owner. There's some great guys over there. Uh, a lot of guys with a lot of knowledge working over there. Really good uh, uh, selection of reels and all kinds of tackle as well. And so other than that, you know, just my friends and family, everybody that's supporting me along the way. Um, yeah, thank, thanks to all of them. Absolutely. Hey, one more question, uh, Jacob. I know the season is wrapping up. What is your plans for the end of the season, and what's 2024 looking for you? Yes, sir. So right now we've got the native power hour tournament coming up um gonna gonna watch that one see you see what the sign up you know what the the angler entry looks like um gonna more than likely utilize that to you know see if we can um win some money and also get another day of practice for the upcoming txkbl classic um super stoked for that sitting in first in aoy um and we're getting to repeat where we had the classic last year, where I was fortunate to take the win. So excited to go back to Fork, um, and uh, yeah, try to defend the title and defend the belt. Everybody, oh yeah, every everybody sitting at home, just wanted to remind y'all. We're no, you have to, to be very annoying about holding that belt. That's that new rule. We're. We're going to have some fun on Lake Fork, everybody. I hope everybody is excited for one hell of a tournament. I think Lake Fork is going to go off. Um, and so just excited for that. And then to conclude the year, we'll have um, like the Choice for Toads tournament on Fayette. And then uh, we'll get started in 2024 with TXKBL uh, as, as well as uh, looking to compete more seriously this year on the national trail. Uh, trails, um, multiple uh, uh, trail holders, you know, BASS, Hobie, um, as many as we can do. That's the goal. Yeah. By the way, I forgot. That's one thing I wanted to mention in the intro we're talking to Albert is the Bassmaster Kayak Series. I mean, big shout out to Steve Owens. We see the changes in Bassmaster Kayak Series now that Steve Owens has taken over for a full year or almost a full season. The schedule came out versus we usually get the schedule for Bassmasters sometime. We would have gotten it sometime next year in February, but it's it's not even November. He already has it out. Great schedule. I know a lot of people are complaining that it's not diverse enough. I know some of the Mistwets anglers, Wisconsin, Missouri, Arkansas, kind of that area would have liked to see a trail there. I know, you know, Steve Owens is trying to build this, and I know it's the fifth season. But in reality, it's more like the first season of Bassmaster because now, you know, we have somebody that's running the trail versus, you know, it was kind of like the headless horseman for a few years where it was kind of rotating who was actually running it um, and there was no consistency. So in, in a lot of ways, this is kind of like second year two of Bassmaster Kayak Series coming up next year. Um, I'm hoping that it keeps growing so they can expand. I know the West Coast anglers are very upset there's no trails going over there i hope at some point we get trails in the west coast but i know they have to show up i mean if if you have a trail out there in running in conjunction with the local trail and the national trail whether it's obbos bassmaster is only pulling 50 anglers and the local trail in the west coast which is running in conjunction is pulling over 100 anglers that's a slap in the face to these national trails I mean, you can't have that happen and then complain that you're not getting a trail. Like, the anglers have to step up. And maybe it's a question of this 
national trails building a community that will entice them to you know join the national trail um i think there's still steve owens hasn't really decided if it's going to be minimum three to qualify for the aoy or four my plea to this is like for us texas anglers we're better off if it's four because we have two on our backyard cattle and possum kingdom that really gives us an advantage but i feel like if they put a minimum of four trails to qualify for the aoy you're really annihilating anybody from the northeast coast because they only have the sesquahana and then everything else is a minimum of 12 hour drive and you're asking them to do that three times all right you have the sesquahana once then you're asking them okay do this three more times and drive up to like you know any one of the texas would be 24 hour drive for for anybody in the northeast I think that's a lot to ask for. And mm-hmm. although it benefits us as Texas, Texas anglers to have a minimum of four, because that means we only have to do one really big drive right. to, to that area. And the close, I mean, it's Possum Kingdom, Cattle, then Guntersville, which is not horrible. You know, it's what, 10, 12 hour drive. Mm-hmm. You know, when we're talking about national trails, that's not no crazy. Right. You know, and then that would be the big, the big sacrifice will be um, in not Possum Kingdom, Susquehanna, which that's about a 24-hour drive. And then about an 18- to 20-hour drive would be Murray, South Carolina. So, I mean, I'm hoping it stays with three, just for the sake of those anglers out there in the North. Right. You really want a race. You really want a fair shot at competing for your wife. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. They have smart people making those decisions, so let's trust the process on this one. Albert, before we close up, any words you want to Share uh, anyone you want to plug? Any famous last words? No famous last words, but uh, I definitely want to give a uh, a shout out and a big thank you to uh, Fish Tackle Marine. Um, my two fish, I, I just bought a uh, a brand new rod and reel combo that uh, performed well for me for uh, tournament day. Um, so a big thank you to Will Laws over at Fish Tackle Marine uh, here in San Antonio. And uh, Thank you, and uh, shout out to uh, my fishing friend Max Holiday, who's uh, I definitely enjoy fishing with. And every time I can get on the water with him, it's uh, it's always a good time, and we're always learning from each other. And maybe a big thank you to my employer for giving me a job and the ability to fish when I can. Heck yeah, that's your biggest sponsor right there. <laughs> hey, it truly is. It truly is. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for taking the time to join us again. Jacob, congratulations. We wish you the best. Thank you. In the, in the congratulations the, again, Jacob. Yeah. Thank you, Albert. ABL. I'm not going to say a lot in the native power, bass power hour because I'm fishing that one. So, but no, seriously, good luck on, on all of the events and thank you. Share the water next year with you. Uh, well, actually, I'm looking forward to share the water in the in Lake Fork, the bass power hour. Yes, sir. And Albert, likewise. Again. We hope to meet on the water pretty soon. Yes, sir. Uh, time will time will bail. <laughs> uh, all right. For those out there listening and watching, thank you for uh, tuning in. Remember, you can follow us on t- on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Basque and Beers. Um, if you're listening on our MP3 format, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, give us a thumbs up or a five star review if you don't mind. That we really appreciate. Help us with the growth of the podcast. Have a great day, everyone. Wear your PFDs and stay safe. Good night, guys. Good night. Good night.